Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk? We listen. My guest today is a banker and has founded a flourishing network organization for bankers. He's all about accelerating connections and bringing together like-minded bankers that are open to forward-thinking dialogues on banks of tomorrow. But before we get into that, here is a brief message. This episode is sponsored by Eurus. Eurus Private Capital Forum is transitioning online with on-demand sessions offering attendees the utmost flexibility to access industry-specific content and deals on their terms. Launching this coming February, Euros 2022 will bring together 100 speakers from across Europe over a broad agenda covering private equity, venture capital, real estate and private debt. For details, visit www.eurosforum.org. Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle Schwitter. Rick Kokelbergs is the founder of The Banking Scene, a network organization for bankers. It inspires financial professionals during their journey to transform the sector in line with the times we are living in. This is done by offering an essential platform that connects banking professionals and broader financial sector specialists, both online and in person. In response to the pandemic, Rick introduced the Banking Scene After Work, a weekly virtual roundtable where like-minded individuals congregate to discuss everything related to banking and payments. A known individual on the speaking circuit, his topics include, but not limited to, payments, retail banking, open banking, the future of banking, regtech and financial reporting. Prior to his current role, he has held several positions in banks and retail both in finance and strategy departments. Let's now have a conversation. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Rick to Headstalk. Delighted to have you here today. Thank you very much for inviting me. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for joining me, Rick. And sorry for interrupting you there, but thank you for joining me. Um, In this episode, we will concentrate on a subset of FinTech that is known as RegTech. Um, I'm fascinated by what this piece of technology can do for the sector and beyond. And this is a subject you have spoken about on a number of occasions. So let's start with this. What is RegTech's role in the new digital world and where is its adoption to an advanced level? Well, you asked me at the right moment in time since uh, a month ago, um, the RegTech Black Book um, was published and I was one of the co-authors. For me, RegTech is more a combination of a subset of tech companies, not mm-hmm. so much tech te- technology, but tech companies mm-hmm. um, cross industry. So uh, today, a lot of emphasis goes, a lot of emphasis goes to financial services. But rich tech companies can also bring value, for example, in healthcare, um, even the aerospace, etc. It's all linked to um, companies that use technology uh, to help. Other company, uh, companies uh, remain compliant with regulation. That's on a very high level, my opinion, definition of RegTech. Okay. And, uh, you know, did the 2008 um, financial crash 
expedited or introduced this as into the market? I think for for many companies that was the start. Uh, not mm. only for these these new startups, these rich tech companies that started figuring out how they can help in this case, the financial services industry to overcome the problems they faced in 2008 mm -hmm. and the years after. Mm -hmm. um, and also for these financial institutions to figure out new ways, better ways to improve their internal processes to overcome mm. problems that they faced during the crash and right after the crash of 2008. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think both from an investment perspective, as well as from like, like the onboarding of this kind of startups, these rich tech companies, mm -hmm. I think it was quite a big trigger and financial services uh, definitely had to do something. So mm -hmm. what you see or what you saw the last uh, 10 years, 15 mm -hmm. years now almost, is that both in terms of um, labor, the number of employees that are working in compliance departments exponentially increased Yeah. But on top of that, they also start figuring out what value third-party suppliers like these reg tech companies could bring to improve processes. Because mm -hmm. clearly, adding more people into these departments was not enough. Okay. And like, there is a big business case for these financial institutions. And I give you a few examples of the fees that have been paid for not being compliant with, in this case, anti-money laundering. ABN AMRO paid almost 500 million. Okay. ING paid 1 million for the same reason. But of course, you also um, need to um, keep in mind the reputational damage when financial institutions yeah. get in the press for this kind of um, yeah, ignorance on pretty crucial processes. I think with the, the 2008 um, financial market crash, the, you know, the phrase about out of crisis comes opportunities. And I think RegTech was born out of that. Out of curiosity, do, do you know what the RegTech market is worth at the moment? Well, I, I did some research and what I read was that today the global investments in RegTech companies reached 9.2 billion with some deals exceeding 100 million. Um, and, and other research showed that by 2027, so that's in six years, we might see a triple uh, out of yes. that. Yes. Um, the estimated spend on uh, financial crime compliance at financial institutions is 213 billion. So every billion that they can save by working with registered companies is, of course, a big asset. Let, let's stick with the point that you sort of introduced into um, the, the previous question. This is about compliance. You know, organizations, and you've mentioned it, organizations like JP Morgan have added um, 14,000 legal and compliance staff yeah. since the crash. Banks now have um, 20 to 30% of staff working in um, compliance related functions. Mm -hmm. Will this number of employees reduce? With the increased adoption of reg tech applications you know for every one dollar spent on compliance three three is spent on regulatory fines so surely this is where as you talk about reg tech comes in and should mm. we solve this problem so let's look at the question itself have the big banks reduced its growth since the growth of the staff with the advent of RegTech? And if yes, can you give us examples of the, the application so we can get an understanding of why? And if no, why not? 
I think it's really an end, end story, not an or, or. So it's not that banks can choose whether to upgrade staff or look for support of reg tech companies, but they really need to combine both. And mm-hmm. I've written a couple of pieces about this in the past. And to me, the main reason is that we are currently in a tremendous shift. And that shift is ongoing for quite a while. Mm-hmm. But the um, unintended consequences became clear in the recent uh, history. Mm-hmm. So let me go back, uh, let's say, 20 years ago, when banking was still a lot about branch banking. Mm-hmm. So we were at the start of internet banking. And what banks did was they provided a new front-end reality. Mm-hmm. And they built on that. So they made a front-end and they, lo- they linked that with whatever they had at the back. Mm-hmm. With that, we saw an increase thanks to new expectations of customers, etc., to um, improve their processes. Everything needed to go real-time. People want instant gratification, and that's not mm-hmm. any different when it comes to financial services. But of course, these financial services, even though they made their processes real time, etc., um, they underestimated the impact of the risk of, of fraud, etc., because mm. of building these real time rails. And that's what you see right now. So today we are living in a reality where people get onboarded virtually or, or online. So there's no longer this human connection, this human check to ensure the person he claims to be is really that person. So that adds already a couple of additional layers, Mm -hmm. which means that some of the effort that used to be in a branch Mm -hmm. is now at a compliance department. Mm -hmm. On top of that, you have the real-time effect. So in the past, a transaction would take a couple of days and there would be people that can check that transaction whenever needed. Today, everything needs to go real-time. So you need those processes in place to ensure that that can be done in a very, very short time frame. Um, next to that, to complete your answer, I had a couple of um, sessions, these virtual roundtables on mm-hmm. RPA and intelligent automation, of course, RegTech and the compliance department was one of the hot topics in those sessions. And what you learned there is that technology is used to enhance the work of people. Very often, it's not to replace these people. Mm -hmm. So we can expect maybe even a higher percentage of compliance and uh, regulatory related jobs in the future because all the rest can be automated. But we need to be very cautious of these regulatory aspects in banking, in financial services. Oh, fascinating. Thank you for that. Um, b- before we move on, and incidentally, the RegTech Black Book, which you've um, co-authored, um, if you're happy to, we can put a link in the episode description so that individuals can go to it. I'm not sure if it's something they need to purchase or something they need to download. But um, if you're happy to do that, I'm happy to put that together um, for your episode description. We can do that. And also you talked about the round tables that you have. And perhaps, I don't know if it's the results of the round table, if there is something and that we could put a linking for that in your episode description. So people, you know, when they hear this stuff, they want to go to it. So if you're happy to do that, please, you know, get your team to send that over to me and I'll put it in the episode description. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. It's always like we really try to create this very interactive Zoom meetings mm-hmm. with an executive of the industry on topics related to the future of banking. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But of course, I think it's fascinating. I think it's fascinating. When when I knew I was going to be talking to you um, um, in head honest talk, I had a sort of a look at one or two of them. And um, my listeners, I do urge you to, you know, if this is your area of interest, to go and have a look and see what um, Rick and his team are doing. It's very interesting. Okay. Um, During this new series on heads talk, um, I will be talking to a, a number of venture capitalists in this space. But Rick, tell me, um, are you seeing a lot of venture capital investment in this specific area of fintech? Uh, And can you speak about this? Absolutely. Um, First of all, fintech is a very, very hot topic for venture capitalists these days. And of course, RegTech is um, one of the sweet spots in that industry, according to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, when you look at fintech and where most of the money goes, it's or these unicorns that really try mm. to get scale mm. or it's the ones that really um, make an impact behind the scenes and that are working with financial institutions to ensure that the capital and that's both human capital, technological capital and, 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 and expertise capital that they have and to spread that over multiple financial institutions. And that's where RegTech is, of course. Um, so, as I said earlier in this session, right now, um, there's an estimation of 9.2 billion global investments in rich tech companies, which my gut feeling says it's pretty underestimated. But of course, where do you put the line in defining rich tech? Um, then there was another report, um, the Allied Market Research, that projected that the, this market would reach around 30 billion by 2027. So that's quite a significant growth. And that's what these venture capitalists uh, try to capitalize on in the years to come, of course. Mm-hmm. I suspect the full capabilities of RegTech's not been realized yet and yep. exponentially grow. We'll see that, just watch this space pretty much, yeah. Um, when I did my research on um, RegTech in preparation for our conversation, Money laundering came up a few times, quite a few times, actually. I want to talk about this further. How is RegTech solving this problem? Um, What has been done in this space and how advanced is it? It is is very advanced because it's it's one of these areas of RegTech that wasn't triggered by the financial crisis, but by 9-11. In 9-11, suddenly there was this awareness that a lot of money goes to the wrong hands. And that was because many banks didn't have their controls in order. And so their banks looked for solutions, but also third parties investigated the options. And RegTech, they are very expertise niche players in that field. So what they do is they use the latest uh, AI and machine learning technologies to find these patterns that we with the human eye cannot detect. Mm -hmm. That's where I believe um, is the biggest advantage. And it's also a topic that we discussed at a round table um, yesterday, actually with a representative of both ABN AMRO, Swift and Tableau, Mm -hmm. where we discussed how this enormous vault of data um, provides a lot of opportunities, but currently isn't fully um and uh fully used by banks Mm -hmm. but of course one bank alone cannot detect everything so the moment that you have that you can create as a reg tech a a network of banks and try to bring all these insights together of course on in an anonymized way 
you provide a lot more value than what each every single uh, individual bank can bring. So I think both there to come back to the questions mm-hmm. to the question two advantages. First of all, they have all this technological knowledge and they understand how to use a computer for the better good. Mm-hmm. Next to that, they can use multiple data sources and get a lot more insights than what each individual bank would detect with the same technology. Mm-hmm. So, so are we saying that money laundering can be a thing of the past? I mean, I, I assume with RegTech and I assume elements of blockchain, I don't know, I'm not an expert. Can, can, can we say that in the future? Oh, um, who knows? Mm. I think, like blockchain could be an enabler of um, eliminating AML. On the other hand, we also see a lot of any money laundering, anti-money laundering going through blockchain and cryptocurrencies. So, of course, yeah. these people, they also know the tricks of yes. the financial yes. service industry and they will always find new ways yes. to launder they their money. educate themselves and be more advanced. And therefore exactly. It's a continuous process yes. and maybe yes. also the big opportunity mouse. of investing in Reg Tech. Yeah, it's still a cat and mouse game. So <laughs> yeah, it will probably exactly. be ever more sophisticated rather than eradicated. I think yeah. that's probably what you're saying. Okay, what are the, you know, in terms of Reg Tech, because, you know, Reg Tech's a majority B2B application. So what are the risks that we've not spoken about um, are being managed by Reg Tech? I think the biggest opportunity today, so 2001, you had this 9-11 thing yeah. that really marked a big evolution then there was the financial crisis Mm -hmm. looking at the all the the financial risks Mm -hmm. today we have covid that stimulated the efforts and investments in sustainability because there was this climate change and suddenly we're confronted with the consequences of climate change Mm -hmm. to some extent Mm -hmm. so now the industry is rushing to ensure that they have everything on order for more sustainability reporting etc and that's where i believe the biggest hotspot for new reg tech companies is today. Um, Aside from that, the continuous process of digitization of the industry will lead to more digital onboarding and, of course, also updating of customer identification. Um, It's easy for someone to onboard at a bank, but it's a lot more complicated for that bank to ensure that they keep having the latest possible information of their customer because the least or the last thing someone uh, thinks about when moving out to a new address, for example, is ensuring that the bank is updated on where they move to. So that is, I think, quite a challenge as well. And then, yeah, you have financial reporting, but that's ongoing and one of the consequences of, amongst others, financial crisis in my opinion but yeah number one definitely sustainability and the whole uh regulation around esg okay um can you give me an example of how fintech companies are adding regulatory compliance processes into their products and what are the results of this um they kind of do it the same way as financial services, as financial, as as banks do. But -hmm. of course, there is not a fintech company. You have fintech companies that build solutions for financial services. You have fintech companies that build solutions for SMEs and corporates. You have fintech companies that build solutions for clients. And depending on the services they need to provide, they also need to be um, 
regulated. Mm-hmm. And it's that aspect where rich tech companies can also fulfill the expectations towards their colleagues in the fintech industry. So it really depends of what domains they're active in, um, in, their, in terms of SME um, activities, they probably need to be aware that they have proper identification, not just of the company that is a client, but also the shareholders of the company, et cetera. And that's entirely different reality when you are uh, looking at the P2P space, um, more looking at the consumer. Um, And then yet another reality for fintech companies that are really supporting the existing, the incumbent financial services industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when you said lots so much B2B and B2C, I read somewhere that um, this is especially rife in terms of the red tree compliance processes in, in the wealth management sector. Um, mm-hmm. Let's look ahead with RegTech, sort of where are we going with, with this? I mean, we've already mentioned its value down, down the line, but the, the industry, um, what industry or sectors will further um, benefit from this? I think you talked about health, you talked about aerospace, and interesting, this this part of the question really interests me. The, interestingly, will RegTech and or LawTech controversially reduce the roles uh, and, uh, and future of lawyers, for example? I don't think it will reduce the roles of lawyers because at the end it's the lawyers very often that need to define how RegTech is being uh, developed and implemented. It will enhance the role of lawyers in my opinion. Um, It will help lawyers for example to spend a lot more time on advisory instead of doing all the research and the reporting and gathering all the information etc. I remember um, there are a couple of banks that are currently, for example, already deploying RegTech solutions to simply mine all the new regulation that comes towards them, meaning that they have technology that makes all the new regulation digestible. So where today you had a lot of people analyzing new laws, etc., the computer will do that now, and those people can start interpreting and, and anticipating much faster on those laws and what this means for their employer. Mm -hmm. So in that respect, I do think that RegTech will change the role of lawyers, but for the better good. Okay, all right, okay. Um, This final question on um, this episode of Heads Talk um, is asked to all the guests of this FinTech series. It's a two-part question. So let me begin with this. What is the new FinTech app that you, Rick, cannot do without and why? This is a really a personal question. What, what is it, the app that you can't do without? Yeah, it's actually one of the only questions I didn't answer in my preparation before, because of course in Belgium we're spoiled. Um, two of the best mobile banking apps, uh, I think was worldwide, are from Belgian banks. I'm a customer at one of them. So banks in Belgium often have a head start compared to what others do. You're not so being biased, case... are you, by any chance? Sorry? You're not being biased by any chance. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for, I mean, the bank um, where I work with, um, they have a lot of functionalities in their app, which makes it a lot very convenient for me, whether I look for public transport or parking tickets or just want to look at my, my, my accounts. It's all available in their 
banking app. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a one size where I can do everything related to financial services almost in that respect. I don't use that many other fintech apps. So a fintech app that I cannot do without. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I love to talk about it, but I haven't found it yet. All right. Okay. Right. I, I let you off with this one, but this part two of the question, you need to wow my listeners with this one. So you can't get out by saying your current employee. All right. <laughs> the, what is the solution that you think has yet to be developed, but sits firmly within the fintech world once available? I had a couple of sessions on financial well-being, financial stress um, and financial inclusion. And that's where I think is the sweet spot. We had sessions uh, where we invited a bank to talk about it, as well as a fintech, as well as a former bank slash fintech um, executive. And my conclusion there is because for me, financial well-being is finding that balance between someone's financial means and someone's financial future means compared to someone's expectations in life. And to avoid any conflict of interest there, it looks like the best person placed to provide the best solution possible to um, give that insight is probably not a bank. Because a bank, they look first and foremost, at least today still, at the financial situation, how it can make them money. Mm -hmm. So as a fintech, I think there's they're often positioned more independently. And this really... 360 view of financial well-being i haven't found a fintech that is looking at the entirety of the problems and the challenges of financial well-being today so probably that's where i would look for a fintech that is um, developing something that is not available yet um, so yeah that would be it financial well-being and getting that 360 view and anticipating on a better financial well-being in the future for consumers. Well, that's, that's an interesting answer because, um, as you will know, as I mentioned, this last question is asked to every guest um, in this series and none has, none has mentioned that one. So you're the first that's come up with this. So that's very interesting. Um, who would have thought that um, RegTech could be so interesting? Rick Kockelbergs, many thanks for your time and insights. Oh, thank you for inviting me. It was, it was an absolute pleasure. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.